I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hello, and welcome to the Blizzard Watch Podcast. Hi, guys. It's me, Matt, your host. With me this week, as is usually the case, are my two absolutely wonderful co-hosts, uh, Liz Harper and Joe Perez, both of whom you know from the site. Uh, Liz is our EIC, and Joe is just, you know, he's like our uncle, uh, our reputable <laughs> uncle who, who takes care of everybody. Where, I was like, where is this going? <laughs> he is like our uncle. <laughs> uncle Joe, can you tell me a story? Tell me a lore watch story, Joe. Um, but yeah, we've got a lot of stuff to talk about. So I'm going to just kind of leap right into it. Um, the first thing I want to talk about actually is not the first thing we could talk about, but I do want to talk about it. The uh, trading post for August has a whole bunch of new transmog stuff. There's, I don't really know how to put this. Like you buy this stuff from the store, but it's still got traders um, tender or how does this work? Um, okay. Okay. Um, so you, it's August. Somehow. Yes, it is August. Yeah. As, which means there's a new trading post. There is, you know, it's kind of the normal trading post thing where you go and you get some traders tender and then you do things all month and you get some more and then you go buy things. Except also there's a new transmog pack on the Blizzard store and you can go to it and you get uh, these corsage transmogs, which are just little flowers that set on your character's wrists. And, uh, but you also get traders tender with them. So you can now sort of buy some traders tender if you need a little extra. I'm not sure this is I, I I don't I don't hate it. I'm not like boycott blizzard over it, but I'm also kind of like, yeah, this was like this was like a thing you could just do and get it and it wasn't something you would feel compelled to spend money on because you just need a couple hundred more traders tender to buy this thing and now you do because you can buy it. And uh, that's that's making me a little crazy. But that said, it's uh, $5 for two different colored corsages and uh, 200 traders tinder. I I kind of feel like that's not a lot of traders tinder. Yeah, uh, can't you kind of get more than that just doing like one achievement? Thing? Uh, Every time no, you, you do a dial like, slow, you get like 100 to a 200. There are smaller ones as well, though. Right, like yeah. there's like fifties, and and I think I think that's the lowest denomination. Yeah, but the ones that are fifties, you could bang out in like twenty minutes, though. Like, yeah, they're not or they're not hard. Um, but uh, well, I mean, the thing is, you can only get a thousand a month, and that's it. That's like the cap. Except now you could get a thousand a month, and you could also give Blizzard money to get a few extra. Can you? Well, here's um, a question, though. Like, is the cap? The, there's not actually a cap in the game. No. It's just there was only a thousand available. There's only a thousand available each month. But, 
but now there is a way to have more. When you a buy way to this. have more if you, you pay money. Yes. You can continue to roll over your monthlies. Like you, you yes, don't, you, you don't, don't lose your tender between months. So, like, if I earned a thousand tender this month and I spent none of it, then I would have a thousand starting next month, and I could earn another thousand. But you can only earn a thousand. I got you. So basically, from from the time that the trading post started, if you never spent any of it, you could have mm-hmm. a lot of tender. Oh yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. But, if, but it would come down to what you see. Okay, I understand. So there's no cap in game. There's mm-hmm. just a cap on how much you can acquire, and this yeah. means that people who are like trying to acquire the most possible are going to be looking at those corsages. I'm assuming you can only buy them once. Uh, I would also assume so. But um, we don't also, know. They're, they're only uh, available until August 31st. So just this month to get these extra 200 traders tender if you really want them, or if you like flowers. Let's be honest, it's a trial run. It yeah. does feel like a trial run, yeah, absolutely. It's a trial run to see I- if people will actually spend money on things that have traders tender into it, in it, right? So, yeah. that in... in well- it seems like one of those things that I don't think a lot of people, I could be wrong. I don't know that this is the thing that's going to make people want to buy, but by the way, here's spend five bucks, get 200 tender. And by the way, you get some flowers for your wrists. Like I know some people will probably be all about it, but the flowers for the wrists is the only thing I'm caring about. I do like the flowers. I really do like the flowers, but they've also had flowers, the same flowers on the trading post before, just in different colors. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Although we, I mean, we can also talk about like earning the maximum this month, uh, when it gets you, I think that's pretty neat. Uh, I do. Da, 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 da. Where's the browser tab that tells me these things? Actually, it's my the favorite blood thing. Blog. The what? Blood troll. It's the blood troll. Blood troll. Okay. I thought you said something. Completely yeah, I missed, different. I missed a word in there and I was very confused. Tell us about this, Joe, since you have brought it up, you get to talk. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the, well, I mean, I know Corey is very, very happy about it because uh, I'm pretty mm-hmm. sure Corey's Corey, translog is already set. Corey has already gotten it. And uh, it is, again, August 1st. So so has a doe. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, honestly, like I don't I did look up everything that's on the trading post this month because I haven't had a chance to really go look yet. But I thought it was neat. I, li- I like the, the stuff that they've been doing for uh, getting to the maximum level, like earning your full thousand points. Like it's we've mm-hmm. seen mounts we've seen transmog sets we've seen weapon sets uh it's i think it's stuff like this is cool like this is stuff that makes the trading the trading post system neat to me mm-hmm. yeah it does we, we've said it before but it feels like a better version of a battle pass yeah you know? i mean it's just kind of there you can participate or not and you can pick which rewards you want which is unlike a battle pass where you just progress through the battle pass and you and get the same old rewards whether yeah. you want them or not you can just yeah. hey i want this thing and some of the stuff is like use a toy in a specific location or, mm-hmm. you know, go v- do this quest or kill X bosses or like it's all like stuff that most people playing the game are going to wind up doing anyway with a couple extra things thrown in, which I think is really mm-hmm. what makes it a strong value add to the game. Yeah. And uh, your big things this month on the trading post are the two alabaster mounts, which were those um, are collectors editions, out- right? Oh no! I forget if they were collector's editions or if they were rolled out with an anniversary event. That's, but those were previously yeah. a purchase. Yeah, design. I thought it was anniversary because I I know I have one of them. Yeah, um, fifteen. It was the fifteenth anniversary. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh! If fifteenth so is, is alabaster, twentieth is what? No, I don't know. <laughs> we're we're getting there. We're gonna find out in not very long. Uh, so the alabaster storm talent and the alabaster thunderwing cost six hundred and fifty traders tinder each. So 
if you happen to want both of them, that is in fact more traders tender than you could earn in a month. And you may indeed have to purchase some uh, for, for better or worse. I like a fool, like the fool that I am, I have already purchased them in the past. So I don't have to worry about that problem. That's uh, whew, that's a load off my shoulders. There's uh, also a lot of interesting like stuff that's just plain old been added to the, to the trading post over the years. I'm over the years. Jesus, I haven't been here yet. <laughs> um, but like, there's the axes from all the way back in Wrath of the uh, Lich King. There were models that were data mined, but never actually added to the game. Mm -hmm. And we're getting two of them uh, this time. The Crescent, the Crimson and Azure Nexus Crescents, uh, which are, I think they, they were available. I'm trying, I don't know if they were ever actually put in game. Uh, but I remember they they were first data mined during Wrath of the Lich King, and last month they had a sword that I've been talking about for years. <laughs> um, the sword that was actually not just data mined, but you saw NPCs using it in Wrath of the Lich King. And I I wrote a post back in the like back in 2009 <laughs> saying, "Hey, when are we going to get this?" And we got it very recently. Uh, it was like I think last month. It's not just. Uh, a trading posting, you can still get it now. Like it's just, it is available for sale from a vendor. Uh, so there's, there's a lot of stuff that's been added since the trading post. And I think it's really a good feature because it's giving them a place to put all this stuff. Mm -hmm. Like the hood of hungering darkness. Remember the hood of hungering darkness. Mm -hmm. That was one of the first transmog things they ever had for sale in the blizzard store. Um, and fury of the fire Lord, which is a one handed flail. Uh, that's, those are both this month as well so yeah there's a lot of interesting stuff going on well i thought the flail they did already in a previous month because i did. have it yeah they did they did do it in a previous month but it's back it's back back again it's a trading post <laughs> um but yeah they also have the, the ruby and adamantine Fellfire split blades uh which which are nice quite frankly they're cool models there's just a lot of interesting stuff um and that's one of the things i like about the trading post so really i in my personal professional opinion i think the best trading post thing this month is the ethereal transmogrifier toy which sells for a pretty high price of 500 trader tender, which could also require you to buy some trader tender. uh but it is a toy that summons an ethereal warp weaver so you can transmogrify your gear on a 10 minute cooldown and uh that was previously a real money guys, only item excuse mm -hmm. me i i gotta go <laughs> I mean, this solves the biggest problem in World of Warcraft raiding, which is sometimes you will be in a raid and you will get a huge upgrade. But if you put it on, it will break your transmog appearance. So you just, you just can't. Uh, or, you but, just, or you sit there continuously thinking to yourself, wow, I look goofy. <laughs> Yay. And, and you know, that really, that really impacts your performance. I mean, that's a real, yeah. that's a real hit. Listen, uh, I am, I am a 40 K orc in human flesh. I believe that red <laughs> ones go faster. Purple ones are more sneaky. Like this matters. Like your transmog mm -hmm. matters. Yep. It's a uh, fashion improves DPS. So obviously you need to look your best in raids and this will help. So this uh, 500 traders tender, uh, a lifelong raid DPS boost because you will always look perfect. Yep, this can't be argued with. Well, I mean, it can be argued with, but you're wrong, and you should feel bad for arguing with. Um, but yeah, that's so that's that's happening, and yeah, okay. Uh, we should also talk about real briefly. Um, for one thing, the the trial of style is going on in WoW right now 
from today to the eighth. So this week, uh, if you want to go and get, get you know buy stuff from the trial of style, uh, win the you know go go to the the inside the event and actually compete with other players to to win. Uh, some of us have done that so many times that we're too, we're too good for it now. Um, <laughs> but no, actually, what happened is I won the one time, and I'm like, I never want to lose, so I, I stopped going. But regardless, that's happening, and that's really cool. Um, the Titans expansion is also today, right? August first. Yes, it um, is now live. So if you're listening to this live, go play Hearthstone, I guess. Uh, if you're listening to the recording, it went live a couple days ago. Go play Hearthstone, I guess. Um, yeah, I, I think it's a really cool theme for an expansion. I, I'm looking forward to driving people nuts by pretending that, that Hearthstone's Titans lore is World of Warcraft Titans <laughs> lore and upsetting them greatly. Uh, I know that they will be very mad. But that's, you know, that's that's one of the, the, the winning things about it. Um, trying to think of anything else going on this month. We've talked about the Hearthstone. These are all you know, things happening today. Go ahead, Liz. One of, one of the things we, we've talked about but haven't exactly talked about is, you know, like you were talking about the Titan lore, but I don't know if we've actually gone over the Titans that are in Hearthstone Titans, which are the Primus, Argus, Eonar, Agrimar, Nor... Oh, how do you say this? Norganon? Norganon. Nor- Norganon or Norganon. Either one is acceptable. Uh, <laughs> Amethyst, Amanthul, Voltron Prime, Golgoneth, Sargeras, and Kazgaroth. I want to know who Voltron Prime is. Uh, I mean, it's... Uh, it's That is our rogue titan in this expansion and i mean it's it's you know it's the the mech it's the mech thing v 7 tr in prime well and, and I know, it is yeah i know that because i mean that's from the uh, i just did old war <laughs> trying yeah, to get that, yeah. that mount again but it's just like it being a titan is fascinating to me yeah also the card itself says titan t1 t4 in because of course it does Yes, it's the elite speak Titan. Um, I'm, Amethyst, we know, is a new one. Um, Voltron Prime has actually been mentioned in WoW, uh, but never mm-hmm. specifically as a Titan. It was just mentioned. Uh, so, yeah, that's that's interesting. But, yeah, I just I like this expansion just for the idea of getting... Isn't Sargeras in it, too? Or is he just not playing? Yeah, yeah uh, he is a Titan. He's the Warlock Titan. Yeah, well, he, yeah. <laughs> that yeah, makes sense. Yeah. Mm, uh, yeah, you can kind of see the theme there. Um, I know it's just interesting that we have more Titans in Hearthstone than we do in World of Warcraft that we know of. And uh, yeah. yeah, they had to do that to give one to each class. But mm. Well, the Primus is the is the Death Knight one, and, and that makes sense. Yeah. Death Knights, quite frankly, should probably be looking to the Shadowlands for their, their things to inspire them. I'm kind of surprised it's not the Jailer. But I also kind of get why it's not the jailer, uh, since the jailer is really, really super dead. Um, we know this time we mean it, guys. <laughs> Absolutely <laughs> not coming back until such time as we feel like we need Migram back. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I, I am really, I'm, I'm interested in this. This is the first time I've really been interested in a Hearthstone expansion in a while. So yeah, I, I just think it's, it's a cool idea. Uh, but that was all stuff for August 1st. On August 2nd, we're going to finally get the official patch notes from Blizzard for Diablo 4's patch 1.1.1. The the patch where, according to other sites, like, for instance, PC Gaming has a bunch of them up, uh, Barbarians are getting buffed. Uh, According to sites, including our site. I know, our site, too. We we do run a website that has some of this. (laughs) 
I, I, I've got to jump in with just an editorial comment, which drives me crazy, is that you don't see these on the official site or the official forums because Blizzard hasn't published them yet. Yeah, exactly. They kind of announced them last week yeah, and with then a they lot of detail, but then they didn't actually like write them down for people to read. And it's like, okay. okay. Yeah, like the campfire chat uh, went out on the 26th, didn't it? It was on Friday. Yeah, so, so it, was, uh, it was the 26th. Mm-hmm. Uh, we got the campfire chat last week, and it is going to go a lot they're going to put the notes up tuesday of the following week that is not tuesday wednesday of the yeah. following week that that's kind of nuts that is that is weird uh i feel like they sh- it's not hard to have somebody write this down like and and do that before you you do the video <laughs> like you you could have it written down first i think i feel like that's something that can happen i don't know yeah the communications for this game feel really strange we've gotten a lot of streams and very little of it has been written down. But regardless, like I said, Barbarian's getting buffed, so I'm happy. <laughs> um, sorcerers are apparently getting some changes. I, I didn't look at them enough to know if they were good or bad, but I was told they were buffs. Uh, I don't They're play buffs. sorcerer very much. Because I know a lot of sorcerer players were really unhappy last week. Or at this point, two weeks ago. No, no, more like three weeks ago. Oh my god. <laughs> it has been... I can't keep track of time anymore. Uh, but, you know, when, when the... Uh, when the season patch came out, a lot of people were somewhat unhappy. Various things for various classes. Uh, I kept hearing negative things from barbarian players, and I was always like, "I'm I'm doing okay. I no, don't, I don't get the problem." I've I felt similarly about necromancers, particularly because I've been playing a summoner necromancer, and everyone says that's terrible, and you can't play it at end game, and it's impossible. It's the worst build ever, and I'm like, "I'm doing okay over here. I don't know what you're talking about." Yeah, I mean, it's possible that there's some kind of, like, at level 100 thing where you suddenly, you know, this build is not viable for the super hardest Mm -hmm. content. That's possible. Like, maybe you can't really push a Nightmare Dungeon past 40 with certain builds. I'm not going to say that that's not the case, but doing what I'm doing, I I have felt like I'm fine. Like, if enough, if anything, pretty strong, really. Um the, the proper combination of abilities to make it much easier for me to stay up in bad situations mm-hmm. and keep going. So I'm, I'm certainly not saying no to buffs, like anything that the buffs that I've seen look good for me. Uh, so I'm, you know, yay, I'm happy, but I, I don't, I don't feel like it was communicated well to the point where a lot of people were talking about different things and didn't even know they were talking about different things. Like a, I, I witnessed a discussion between somebody who was upset about, the season one changes and someone who was excited about the buff chain, the buffs coming with patch 1.1.1. And they didn't know they weren't talking about the same thing. So they were like, you know, how can you say that's a buff? And finally, like, uh, he's talking about this and you're talking about that. And then they're like, Oh, okay. And so I, I really do feel like more just straight up here is a post you can go to and read it and know what we're talking about would be great because I don't have the ability to whip out, uh, I can't just like continuously go, okay, here's a video from a live stream from last week. That'll explain it. I, I get why people like live streaming. I get why people like to put, to control the message and put their own stuff out. But I do feel like Liz is right in that they are kind of letting it, they're letting it carry too much weight. Mm-hmm. Like there, there needs like- to be, there needs to be some just easily digestible stuff out there. I, do, do y'all remember the brief period of time when WoW was like, we don't have to publish patch notes because WoWhead will do it for us? Yeah. Yeah. It it feels a little bit like that. Like, okay, we can just say all this in a live blog and we don't need to write any of it down because someone else will write it down. 
Except sometimes they contradict themselves even within their own live streams. And it's just difficult to tell intent if they don't write things down and like someone reviews it and make sure it's not saying five different things. And uh, it's, it's, it's a little hard to keep track of what Diablo is up to right now because even though I do it professionally... Yeah, well, we I remember that we had that discussion going back. I think this was right at the beginning of Dragon Dragon uh, Flight, where they had said one thing in one interview, but then they posted mm-hmm. on their site something else. Mm-hmm. And I said, well, the site says this. Oh, and yeah. You, you were like, yeah, but they said this in the forums, and then they said this in a video. And so I'm like, okay, uh, I um, so what do I put in the post? And she, you're <laughs> like, nothing. We're not going to do this until they say what which one it is. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, th- we kind of don't want to tell people something and then have to tell them, oh, oops, our bad. We believed I Blizzard mean, over Blizzard. It's yeah. it's just a guessing game when you don't have, like, real information that is really real. Yeah. So, but yeah, the patches are coming. Uh, we know that the patch notes are coming tomorrow. Do we know when the patch is coming? Cause the I've patch not- is next week, August 8th. Okay. So, yeah, August so- 8th is the actual patch. You You, you wrote that down. Okay. <laughs> I, I I don't know why I couldn't see that. Well, I know why. I, couldn't I see mean, that, I I genuinely cannot believe it's August. So I mean, yeah. I've got a blind spot right there. Yeah, I keep remembering. The only reason I keep remembering it's August is because Baldur's Gate three is this week. <laughs> uh, I'll be upfront with you. That's that's what keeps going. Like, oh yeah, Baldur's Gate is in two days. Um, when will I sleep? I guess I'm not doing that anymore. <laughs> but also coming fairly soon. Like uh, we've mentioned, like, August eighth, the patch. That's when the trial style ends. And wow. On the 10th, we're going to finally get those PvE missions from Overwatch 2, the invasions. Um, I'm not going to sit here and rehash the various discussions we've had about Overwatch 2 and its problems. I will say that I am super interested in these having good story. Like, I, at this point, I really want these invasions to have good stories to them. To, have, so, so to, to sort of make it feel like we've got a direction to go to get more PvE storytelling mm-hmm. in Overwatch. Um, also, fix it so Joe can play it, please. Because <laughs> uh, Joe has not been able to play Overwatch Two since it came out, it makes me sad. Yeah, and and we still don't even really know why. Like, there's no explanation as to why some people simply cannot play this game, and and that's kind of an. Uh, but anything else? What else we should we talk about? I mean, you guys, what do you you know, what are your feelings on the invasion missions? Like, it's interesting, but I'm not going to pick up the game and pay fifteen dollars in order to play story missions. I mean, I'm more likely to watch someone stream them on YouTube so I can get the story without having to play the game, which is why I would love to have an Overwatch like anime or something. Give me something that I can watch to enjoy the story without playing a first person shooter, which is not really my thing. Joe? I got nothing. Joe has nothing. All right. Uh, we, we One more thing to mention really we, fast, although it doesn't have to we be really, We really have to come up with a topic for Joe to talk about. Well, WoW Classic Hardcore is coming on the 24th. Um, Joe, do you have feelings about that? I don't... I mean, I don't know what to say about it. I mean, I think it's cool. I think it's a neat thing. It's something that I will never personally experience because I have no desire to play WoW Classic. Fair enough. Um, but I was, I'm more interested in it as the first steps in possibly seeing it in other... Like, we've had hardcore mode in Diablo forever. Like, mm-hmm. I, I think all the way back to Diablo 2, um, we've had hardcore mode. We don't have it in Diablo Immortal, which is, I guess, good. Quite frankly, we really... It's kind of Schadenfreude to, if they put that into Diablo Immortal. I think a lot of people would be unhappy. But, I mean, WoW has never had it. And the closest WoW ever came to it was, like, having optional tools for hardcore. But now they're straight up putting it in. 
Like they are just, you will now be able to click a button and your character will, when you die, your character's gone. And that's fascinating to me because that's MMOs. I, it's a lot harder in my opinion to not die in an MMO mm-hmm. than it is in Diablo. Well, I mean, up to a certain point, once you start getting to a certain difficulty, hardcore becomes extremely, you know, risky. Um, but I, I am fascinated to see them do this. So yeah, that's my thing on it is I'm interested to see it. I don't really play that much WoW Classic, and I know I'm not going to use hardcore mode in WoW Classic because when I create a character in WoW Classic, it's because I want to run around and take screenshots of things. <laughs> and, you know, if I get killed, I'm going to want to get back up and keep taking the screenshots. So for me, that's not that big a deal. But I do, I am interested to see if we then get it in just in just retail WoW. Does, does just World of Warcraft going to have a hardcore mode? Uh, so that's my take on it, Liz. I I mean I find it this is another thing. I'm not gonna play it. I I don't have the attention span to play hardcore because like I'm I'm really likely to just, oh, I'm playing the game. Oh, let me get up and go do something and get distracted for 20 minutes and come back and I'm dead. That happens. So it's not for me, but it is super fascinating. I have really enjoyed watching uh WoW classic players play hardcore. I mean there's not Obviously, it's not in the game yet, but people have been playing by hardcore rules, doing things like raids, doing raids in a hardcore fashion where no one can die because if you die, you're dead. And it's just a totally new emergent style of gameplay that, uh, you know, Warcraft is now officially supporting. Like, if you die, you will become a ghost and you can still interact with the game world, but you can't play the game or level or anything but you can like hang out and talk to people you're a ghost now okay there's also duels to the death you can do a duel on hardcore and when you die you have died it it just kind of changes the way you think about the game i think it's really neat yeah it's an interesting approach to the game that we haven't seen before so and it's not something that existed when these when wow classic was just wow like when mm. you were playing, you know, in any of the expansions that are that are given to you via WoW Classic, didn't have this. So it is another case of WoW Classic changing from its original vision, where it's not a it's not a, a museum ship anymore. Uh, mm. However, I have completely skipped the various Amazon Prime stuff. I didn't mention it. I it's here, so I should mention it. First up, up till the third of of August, so right around the time that you know Baldur's Gate's coming out, I'm going to keep mentioning that. Uh-huh, uh yeah. Diablo 4's Brackish Fetch Mount armor is still available via Amazon Prime. Um, and also up to the 24th, you get a mm-hmm. Silver Pig pet available through Amazon Prime Gaming, which yeah. I have just now seen and is very cute. Uh, that's also something that was like previously only a promotional reward in China, I think. So now you can get your own adorable Silver Pig if you are an Amazon Prime member or if you sign up for an Amazon Prime trial. Yeah, and it is it is really freaking cute. Like I'm not kidding. It's just <laughs> big old nose, super cute. Uh, yeah. So that's those are those are ones we usually mention, and I hadn't gotten to them yet. So there we go. And at this point, I believe we are now ready to start actually looking at our email and answering questions from you, the, the listeners at home, or if your listeners are like in my home, I guess. Don't don't be in here. I'm looking around. I don't see you. So hopefully you're at your own homes. Um, Regardless, uh, if you've got a question for the show, you can go to our Discord. We have two channels set up. Uh, there's the Patron Q and Podcast Questions channel for our patrons because you guys, you know, support the site and, and help us keep the lights on, and that's great. But we do also love our non-patron supporters because 
you guys do things like read our stuff and watch our stuff and tell people to come to our site. That's also super great and super useful. So if you want to ask us a question, you can do so there as well in the Q and podcast questions channel, which is for everybody, not just patrons. However, if you'd rather just email us, uh, you can at podcast at blizzardwatch.com with the subject line uh, podcast or blizzard watch. So we know it's for this show and not lore watch. Um, and when you guys put either one in here, it, it just turns into a war. Uh, <laughs> one, one where Joe usually wins because, you know, he's faster on actually noticing these things than I am. But regardless, uh, Joe, could you read this first question? Sure. Uh, this one comes from Jack Jack. Uh, do you think we should, could have another class focused expansion like we did with Legion? Uh, how would you structure one? We've already found and expended the power of the artifacts we would find. Slightly worse, but still powerful artifacts? Uh, last time, Warlocks got a class-specific quest that ended up being a beta way of introducing more class quests. Legion, do you think the recent demon customization quest chain and glyphs are a sign of things to come? What types of class customization options do you think Blizzard should introduce? I mean, I'm always going to be game for more... Uh, essentially just more customization no matter what, but this is a, an interesting question. And I don't know. I don't know that I have a really good answer for it. So I, I, I want to think about it. So what do what do you guys think? Um, I will say up front that I don't want artifacts to return in any way, shape or form, not because I don't like artifacts, but I don't like the power, the borrowed power thing that our artifacts introduced was great for that one expansion, but then they kept trying to do it. Hmm. And I remember when, when we got to Battle for Azeroth, I was never bullish on Azerite. I think if you go back and look over the history of our site, you will always see me saying, I don't know about this art, this Azerite stuff. And I, I, I feel right about that. Like, I feel like I was right in the stuff I said, yeah, this is why I'm not 100% comfortable on this. Uh, not, not because it's not that Blizzard doesn't know what they're doing. It doesn't, it's not that they didn't design interesting things. It's that borrowed power comes with a whole bunch of assumptions and problems. Like the feeling you get of constantly being knocked back down. You shouldn't feel like leveling shouldn't feel bad. Hmm. There should never be a point where you go up a level and now all of your great stuff from before is useless and you, uh, you're just weaker or, Hey, now you're trying to do the, the class, you know, you're trying to do the, uh, mage tower when it gets reintroduced and, and brought back so people can do it but it's shadowlands so you don't have your artifact power and you can't use any of your other powers in the, the mage tower because those are shadowlands specific and you're just getting stomped on mm-hmm. and it shouldn't feel like it's harder now to do something when you've out leveled it i mean sure you want the content to still feel good but you don't want it to feel worse. Like you don't want then that's the thing about borrowed powers. It's really hard to design a borrowed power system that doesn't feel like you're getting, you know, your wings ripped off. Or I think the, the best comparison I ever saw to it was, do you remember in Dragon Age 2, the the, the, the <laughs> intro when Garrus, when Garrus, I'm saying Garrus, Varric is telling you about Hawk. He's telling uh, Cassandra. And it's like suddenly you can just use all the powers and you're just scything through everything and you're really powerful. And then when you start actually playing the game, you're level one and you can barely do anything. That's what it feels like every time borrowed power resets. It feels like, oh, wow, all those cool powers I used to have don't work anymore. Oh, well, I guess I'll just die. And, <laughs> and that's that's not great. So I don't I don't want to see borrowed power. come. That's I would love it if new cool transmog skins came in. Um, they just put 
a, a new Ash Condi esque skin into the game. So I don't need that. So I don't know. I'm not sure what what I would recommend there in terms of like you know this this powerful weapon of legend that you can now look like. Uh, but I would like it if every class got um, specific transmog things. Maybe not necessarily weapons. Maybe just a cool outfit that you know that we, which we got from the Mage Tower the first time. The the the, mm. the various class armors are pretty cool. Unfortunately, they look an awful lot like the original challenge mode armors, uh, which is bad because then you like the challenge mode armors look like this, but better. So it's like, <laughs> why would I wear this when I could wear the better one? And or why would I wear this when there's a better one out there that I can't get anymore? Um, mm. So there's there's that too. I just think in general, I, I don't mind the idea of a class-focused expansion, but I almost don't want it to be the way it was in Legion where every class was separate and they all mm. had their own order hall and there was no interaction. Like, I'd like it if we had like a big, like a place where we went to as players... Like our characters went there not as members of the Horde or Alliance, but as people who go on adventures. And then there's like actual class trainers like we used to have in the old days. And maybe every one of them would have an ability you'd unlock and train. Uh, and I liked I liked that. Like I liked in the old days when you went to Ankaraj and you got books that increased your ability at certain things. I liked that. I liked getting another rank of, of battle shout. I thought it was cool. So maybe something along those lines. I don't know. But I'm gonna throw it to Liz. I am with you on the transmog. Some of the best, the best part of Legion was collecting really cool, really class themed transmog. And I know Blizzard has gone back to creating class sets for everyone, but it felt like you really had, they really nailed down the class fantasy in Legion. And it was so much fun. I still almost all the time am wielding the silver hand which was the holy paladin artifact weapon because it is so cool to go around and be a healer with a two-handed uh a two-handed hammer that is as big as you are yeah i'm here to heal you with a hammer it's great uh i mean one thing that i have brought up several times on the podcast is you know, a Shadowlands-style expansion. I know maybe that's not the most popular thing to go into, but where we had these different factions with their different identities, and you could go back to, like, more classic Warcraft factions, like uh, like the Scenarian Circle, like other things that have just blanked my mind, and you could do fun things about character identity and stories that are built into Warcraft that are that go deep into like history and things of that nature. And you could, you know, not have it be exclusionary, not have it be, oh, we're Horde, we're Alliance. You could not have it be, oh, we're Venthyr, oh, we're, you know, you could have a more inclusive story and still have you still go into some of that kind of factional identity thing. Uh though that doesn't white dig into class, but it sort of has some class ties. Like if you go with my Scenarian Circle thing, they have kind of a druidic, they've got a nature sort of angle to them. If you did uh, like uh, the Order of the Silver Hand, you've got kind of a paladin, holy light thing going on over there. So I think there are interesting ways to take this. I think Legion was really amazing. The class stories were really great but also kind of splitting the player base like that was a little awkward. Yeah. And some uh, of them, like some of them felt really great to go into the order hall and see the things. And others were like, welcome to the, you know, the hunter hall. Everybody is over there in the corner. Like, and you know, also 
I was meaning a monk at the time, and like the entire monk quest is like, okay, there's well, okay, first we like totally wiped out, you know, the peak of serenity and everyone is dead. I'm sorry. Let's go make some beer. That was like the entire class quest for monks. <laughs> I have an idea because of what you just said, but I want to let Joe talk since he was he, <laughs> he said to, he was gonna think about it. So Joe, I guess you're up. Yeah, I don't I don't still really have a good answer because you guys have kind of hit everything that I would have really thought about. I I don't know. I really liked what they did in Legion. I thought there was a lot of really cool stuff. I thought it was a lot of really neat and, uh, you know, cool class-specific things. And I do like class things, but I think the biggest problem with them is balancing class-specific quests or abilities or structures or whatever versus everything else. Um one of the complaints I think I heard during Legion was that there was too much focus on class. From And I'm not saying this is a, a large complaint from people because a lot of people really enjoyed it, but some people just didn't care. Uh, and if they didn't really care because they don't really care about like the story of the classes or the identity of the classes and they, they care more about uh, the specific um, – trying to think of how to phrase this. They care more about like the min-maxing than they do like – the meat and like the, the fluff of the class, they want more of the meat and potatoes and less of the fluff. Then you have to present it in such a way that those people aren't, I don't want to say bored, but what does it give them? And like with the Legion order halls, it was a pretty decent mix of both because you got power. And even though it was a borrow, a borrow power system, we don't like borrowed power systems. Mm-hmm. Um, it still gave those players something and encouraged them moving forward. Right. And then for the people that wanted the fluff stuff, you got your, your quests, you got your uh, campaign to go and get more, uh, gather more stuff and unlock more pieces of transmog and things like that. Um, So, I mean, I don't know about like a, a deep system. The answer to me always winds up coming back. Transmog is probably the easiest thing. Right. Well, I mean, I mean, look at look at some of the stuff that we talked about having years ago that we just don't have now. Um, do you remember when shaman were supposed to have totems and paladins were supposed to have librams and hunters were supposed mm-hmm. to have like trophies and things like that? Like every class was supposed to have something. You know, my my very first post for WoW Insider was about uh, paladin librams. So yes, back in Burning Crusade, pre Burning Crusade, I think it was supposed to be a Burning Crusade feature. Like, that's how long it goes back, having these things. And it's kind of come and gone a little bit, but never really fully materialized and certainly didn't stick around. So, I mean, that's a really good example of something that, like, could have been cool. Um, And, like, they could revisit that. They could have done some really, you know, baller things or some better things if they wanted to. And we just haven't seen stuff like that. But I think things like that would be cool. So, I don't know. It's, It's an intriguing situation. I, I'm now going to jump in with the idea that I had from because of Liz. And I was thinking, <laughs> what if like we start, we saw the rise of new organizations that aren't really based around a specific class, but are based around an ideal and have like roles for every class to play. Like one of the things I was thinking about is like, if you've ever read Gene Cook's, you know, the, the, you know, um, the black company, you know, that there's this mercenary company that is basically just, you know, they, they don't want to work for the absolute most evil people, but they're, they're just, you know, pay us to fight your war for you. 
Mm-hmm. And you could have one organization that's like, pay us to go raid that dungeon for you. You know, you, you, you know, you guys, you government people, you Lord and Alliance folks, you're busy. You have a lot of going on. You don't necessarily have time to go clean that dragon out of that place. <laughs> pay us. We'll go do it. And you could have like, anybody could be in that group. It doesn't have to be a specific class, but, um, every class could be doing something cool in it and you could have quests that are unique to that group for those various classes. And you could do that. Like you could have that version. You could have like a, a version that's kind of like a combination of the earth and ring and the, the, um, the, the scenario circle who are like, we got, we're going to fix this messed up planet. We're going to all this stuff that's been going on. We're going to get out there and we're going to fix it. And that's their thing. They're like, they're altruistic and they're, they're still totally about going after monsters and so forth and, and all that. But their, their goal is to, to heal Azeroth and they'll heal Azeroth by any means necessary. Like they want to have healers. They want to have shaman and druids who can help touch the the natural world and the elements. They want to have paladins and priests and monks and everybody else. But they also sometimes want to have some really hardened rogues who will just sneak into a place and assassinate whatever's there because those things are harming Azeroth. And there comes a point where, you know, sometimes you want to gently bandage a wound. Sometimes you have to amputate a gangrenous limb. That's, you know, this, the way of healing things. Sometimes you have to perform triage. So they could do that kind of thing. And you could do that for a lot of different features. You could kind of take the class order hall idea and merge it with the ideas from Shadowlands of the, you know, the, the covenants and then make it Azeroth specific. You know what I mean? Like, so mm-hmm. these groups are Azerothian groups. They're not groups about some weird ideal of Deathland. They're about this world that we're on that we want to heal and make, and make better. You know, one of those groups could maybe like, you know, be one that wants to exploit things. Like when they go raid a dungeon, they're not raiding a dungeon because they care about Azeroth. They're doing it to learn about secrets that other people don't know. Like we want to know, like one of the things I thought was great about the Black Harvest from that original Warlock quest was that they are, they were the, the, the herald of people learning new powers. Hmm. Like there was a whole deal was they wanted to like find out new powers that they, that they could take. They felt like warlocks had to catch up because mages were learning all this time magic now and shaman were now learning all this new ways of, of controlling and dealing with the elements. Warlocks were getting left behind. So they could be about that. And every, if you're a paladin and you're in that group, you're in that group because you want to get stronger in the light and learn new ways to use it to, to fulfill your paladin ideals. You're not there you know, to destroy the world. You're there just for personal empowerment. And you could do that with like a bunch of different stuff. And every class could have a role in that. And you'd make class-specific quests for those groups. So in a way, like the quests would both be faction and, and class, but, the, but they wouldn't be as isolating as just having every faction be all, every class be its own faction. Mm-hmm. if that's just something that came into my head when I was, th- when we were talking. So that's another way you could approach it. And I think it, there's lots of interesting ways to do it. If you do tie it into Azeroth, uh, but uh, I think we're done with that one. So uh, I'm going to say Liz, if you feel like reading any of these questions, I think we got time. Yeah, we got time. Okay. I guess I can be bothered to read a question from Tet semi question for the blizzard watch podcast. Levels and Paragon levels in Diablo 3 and 
4. In Diablo 3, you went to level 70 and then started the Paragon levels up to level 1000. Originally level 60 and 500 before the DLC question mark. I'm actually not 100% sure about that. Um, in Diablo 4, you get to level 50 and then it starts the Paragon track up to level 100. So in Diablo 3, a max level character would be 70. Uh, 70, uh, in parentheses, 1,000 for Paragon. And in Diablo 4, it would just be level 100. Which of these methods do you prefer, and why do you think they went with that hard cap in Diablo 4? Um, I, I like the hard cap in Diablo 4, because it doesn't, even though we were just talking earlier, I think the pre-show, about how long it takes to get to, to the, to finish, to finish Diablo 4 and get to the end, it is a limited number. And throughout that leveling process, you're making, you know, really meaningful choices on the Paragon board. Whereas in Diablo 3, it's kind of endless. And, you know, you're making choices that don't feel as meaningful. It's like you're giving yourself tiny, tiny little bits of buffs every Paragon point you get. And it, like, it's good. You're making your character better. But the Paragon boards in Diablo 4 are these really big impactful choices that change com can completely change the way you play the game. So I definitely prefer the Diablo 4 system. I think it's nice to have that end point. Uh, what about you, Joe? Because I'm going to make you talk. I'm going to talk. No! Okay. <laughs> um, let's see here. I don't... Mm. I think I like Diablo 4 better as far as the leveling system goes. Like, if I really had to, to consider it. I thought Paragon levels were sort of meaningless. Um, they really didn't do a whole lot. I like the Paragon system in Diablo 4 better. I like the idea of leveling to 100 better and just using those points on uh, a scalable chart as opposed to just getting minor increases. Because uh, it felt like with Diablo 3, you got to 70 and then you just, that was it. And you just kept leveling and leveling and leveling and leveling. Uh, and none of it really mattered. And then Diablo four, it's like, yes, you get to 15, you can do the end game stuff and, and do a bunch of that thing. But then having it be like level hundred is the cap. I'm cool with that. I'm, I, I think that's perfectly fine. It feels like there's value in what I get. I, I feel like I'm getting something out of leveling. I don't feel like I'm, uh, you know, completely out of, you know, sorts or anything like that. Like it just, it, it feels more rewarding somehow to me in Diablo four versus Diablo three. So my preference is Diablo four. Matt, it's your turn. Oh, all right. I was thinking he had more <laughs> to say. Um, like I, I didn't dislike the Paragon system in Diablo three, but it was basically another one of those Paragon systems where you just eventually got everything. Like as you went up, you you would you know pick the one you wanted first, but eventually you were gonna fill all of them up to maximum. And then I think around like Paragon one thousand, you still kept Paragon levels past a thousand. I know that because I did it. Um, but what happened was you just added points to strengthen and I think stamina forever. Like you just could keep adding points to those. There was just an endless like if you gained another Paragon level, you would just put a point in that and. As far as I know, that just kept going. And it wasn't tremendously interesting because it's not like ultimately your Paragon levels never felt like they made you able to do content better in a time frame that would make sense. Like, does that does that make sense? Like, because you got everything eventually, 
and the in, the increases were so incremental and fairly small. You yeah. didn't really feel them. Even at, at Paragon a thousand, I didn't feel any stronger than at Paragon five hundred. Like I didn't feel like wow, now I can totally do greater if not one hundred and seventeen. No, it's <laughs> that was that was down to gear. Really, did you have the right gear set? Um, did you have um, like the? I remember it was like ancient, and then something like like perfected primal ancient, ancient primal ancient thank you yeah mm-hmm. so do you have the the absolute best primal ancient uh legendary in every slot and the absolute best primal ancient set piece pieces for everything and do you have like your your gems that you get uh for doing ne- you know nephilim rifts and greater nephilim rifts do you have those up to the maximum so that they give you the the absolute best that they can give you and give you the secondary ability and just if I had a problem with Diablo 3's endgame, it was the incrementality of it. Mm-hmm. That it was so small and so hard to feel the... Once you get to a certain point, it didn't feel like you were getting stronger, even if you measurably were. The only real measurement of are you stronger was, did I die doing this higher, greater, greater rift than I normally do? That was the only way you knew, okay, I'm dying a lot, so I'm probably not strong enough yet. That's basically it. You didn't like know because stuff was dying faster because once you got to a point where stuff died faster, it died so much faster that it was like, (laughs) okay, those bugs did splatter on my windshield, but you know, I was driving at 50 instead of 60. So they didn't splatter quite as hard. Whereas Diablo four, definitely it's more about looking at what you're doing and saying, okay, what do I want to be better at? And how do I get there? Uh, And that's like the thing about the thing about Paragon in Diablo four that no one seems to talk about is when you're about to lie down, lay down a new Paragon tile set, look at it and mm-hmm. figure out, figure out how to twist it so that you can get to the ability you want first as fast as possible. Like figure out the path. That's a big part of it. Uh, and quite frankly, um, they can't put in the thing where you can just refund all the, the stuff fast enough because it is a, it is a nightmare. If you make a mistake on that board, it is a nightmare to get it fixed. Uh, just in terms of, oh, oh God, how do I how do I get all this done? How do I where did I mess up? And then getting it to work. So that Paragon is a lot more involved in Diablo Four. I actually like the fact that when I hit level one hundred, I will be done. Like there will not be okay. From now on, I'll get like a little bit more levels, and they'll make it slightly better at something. Um, I, I I want to like have. Like I know now on my main, I've got like 15 levels left at four Paragon per level. Uh, that's, you know, 40 plus um, 10 more. So 50, that's 50 more points to spend. And I know which ones I'm going for and what I'm going to be doing. So I think there's a, there's a lot to be said for that. I, I don't, I don't feel the need to just have it be endless, but ultimately unimportant like, that's the thing about Paragon in Diablo 3. I liked it a lot, but at the same time, it just means that eventually you're just popping like one more point into your strength score. One more point, one more point, one more point, one more point. When will you actually start feeling the, inc- the increase here? I mean, when you've got a thousand points spent in it, I guess you'll probably notice. So yeah, I, I that's kind of where I am on it. But now that means I have to pick Joe again to say, hey, Joe, please read a question. <laughs> uh, okay, this one comes from uh, Mementh. Uh, hate is considered bad. Love is considered good. What are the good sides to terror and destruction? What could they be used to empower themselves, but not cause humans to run away? Um, 
so one of our primal instincts as humans uh, is that this whole terror and fear thing kind of helps keep us alive sometimes. Uh, it makes us alert. It gives us that adrenaline. You've you've heard the term fight, fight or flight before. Um, that's what fear is. Fear is tapping into that adrenaline and making you sort of aware. There is there is good that can come from it. Uh, destruction is another thing that you don't think of as a, a potentially good thing, but it's all about how you frame it. So let's take a look at the element of fire. Fire, by its very nature, is a destructive force. It destroys things. It consumes fuel. Uh, it is a very transformative process whenever something is is engaged in fire. So, but I mean, like, without fire, you couldn't cook food. We wouldn't have light. Like, it's the root of all of that. So there is good elements to each of them. The problem is, is they are they are extremes. It's sort of like love can be considered bad. Right there, love and hate are, are are two sides of the same coin. That's that's an old idiom, but unrequited love or obsessive love or uh, any number of like that emotion amped up to an extreme is bad. So if that's the case, what are you like? All emotions or all these forces are good and bad. There's good to be halved in almost all of them. Uh, hate is not necessarily something that is considered good ever but a lesser version of hate dislike um can give you an idea of what you like to eat or things like that like you don't have to like everything and in sort of a roundabout way evolutionary we have a natural predisposition to dislike certain physical stimuli right so if we eat something that is bad for us and has a bad taste uh or smells acrid uh, our brain goes, I don't like that. I don't want to be near that. And it keeps us alive by keeping us away from that. So again, that's a it, it, Diablo is all about extremes, right? It's everything's amped up to 11. So, I mean, I guess that's the best way I can kind of go through that and explain it without like, I don't know what else to say about it. So I'll, I'll turn it over to you guys. Uh, Liz, you want to go or you want me to? Uh, I don't really have anything. All right, I'll go. I, I would actually even argue that hate itself is completely morally neutral. Uh, it is what you hate and how you use the hate. If you hate people, like if you are like a, a supremacist of any sort and you just hate certain people because they're not like you, yeah, pretty much just just evil. I, I got nothing good to say about you. But if you hate injustice and you hate uh, you know, waste and people being harmed for no reason, those are social motivators. Those are not negative impulses. You know, hating, you know, hating a system that oppresses and demoralizes is good. It, it motivates us to change those systems. It motivates us to act. Uh, anything can be an, an advocate to action. And that's one of the things I remember. I don't know where I originally got the term advocate of action from. I might've gotten it from a philosophy book. I'm going to get it from a comic book. I don't remember, but I've always <laughs> liked thinking about it in those terms, like fear, terror can advocate action. If you are afraid of something, you know, maybe you'll just, you'll do nothing or you'll run away in terror or be paralyzed. But maybe if you fear something happening, that will motivate you to go out and do things to prevent it from happening or to erase it or make it less likely to happen. Uh, you don't have to just be like the, the old internet joke about the leopards eating my face par party. And I never <laughs> knew that the leopards eating my face party would eat my face. Like, but if you're actually afraid of that, 
you can go out there and not not support the leopards eating people's faces party. You can be like, no face eating, you know. And as far as destruction is concerned, creation and destruction are inherently part of the same process, uh, and they lead into each other. Um, the the Earth was created by essentially supernova explosions. Stars blew up, and the matter of those stars collected and coalesced into our solar system. So out of the destruction of those earlier primordial stars was the creation of Earth's solar system, which is why Earth and other worlds in our solar system have all these heavy minerals on them that other other places don't have. The fact that Earth has gold and silver and iron and a lot of other resources is down to those supernova explosions. The destruction of those stars led to the creation of our world. And on our world, you see creation and destruction even before there's there's any kind of of sapient life on this planet you see forests vast forests rising up on the previously uninhabited continents of the world and with them came, comes these plants that create you know, with photosynthesis create oxygen that actually cause a mass burning like if without those plants creating the the oxygen rich atmosphere we have today we wouldn't exist because we breathe oxygen, but we, none of that would have been possible without the mass burnings that destroyed those plants and had them, you know, basically become component parts of the world and new plants rose up that were more efficient. Creation, destruction, they're a part of each other. You can't really have one without the other. If nothing is created, nothing can be destroyed. But once things exist, if anything new is to come about, the old things sometimes have to be destroyed and swept away. So there's a, there's a cycle to, to all of this kind of stuff. Uh, for that matter, I mean, one of the things I've always, this I know I got from a comic book. This is straight <laughs> up from Green Lantern, but the idea that you're not, it's not bravery if you're not afraid. It's not courageous yeah. if you're not afraid. It, mm-hmm. If it's just, if I'm not afraid of going to the bathroom, so therefore going to the bathroom is not an act of bravery. But if I had some kind of massive trauma and just that act fills me with terror, but I managed to do it anyway, I have overcome something. You can't have that if you're not afraid. Fear, without fear, there is no bravery. There is no courage. There is nothing but just being alive. There's no measurement to compare it against. Yeah. If you're not walking to the store isn't an act of courage by itself. It it does not exist in a vacuum. It has to have a fear component or it is just simply doing things. Uh, So there's that aspect too. Um, I think there's a reason that if you look at the primevals in Diablo, to bring it back to the game, (laughs) <laughs> um, Mephis was obviously considered the Lord of Love. That one's pretty much a no-brainer. Everyone always sees the hate-love thing. But it was interesting that Diablo became Dialon, the spirit of, of of courage, and very much because courage is the act of overcoming fear. Mm-hmm. So he can sell people on the idea: well, fear is necessary because without fear, you don't have courage. And destruction became literally the Lord of Creation, and he had a point. Because without destruction, you don't create anything new. You just get the same old thing. You get stagnation. Humans are the reason, in real life, humans are the reason things are good or bad. Because with the way we use those words. Because without us, stuff is morally neutral. Like, a, a pod of whales is not eating all the plankton because they're ha- they hate plankton and want to destroy them. They're just hungry. You know, and, and keep in mind, whales are incredibly intelligent, so it's possible they hate plankton. We know that certain <laughs> humpback whales, seriously, we know certain humpback whales actually seem to hate orca to the point where they will go out of their way to stop orca from eating or, or successfully hunting. 
just because they remember orca hunting them when they were kids and they hold a grudge. So as intelligent, intelligent beings can have these moral things, but that's the, that's the, the rub it's humans. It's, it's, you know, nothing is good or bad, but thinking makes it so to, to steal from Hamlet. Hmm. We, it's our fault. It, it's, it's the fault of humans that these things have a moral component ultimately in the real world. Um, so in the Diablo sphere, in a way, hate will never be any, will never go away as long as there are people to hate. As long as humans can hate things, they're going to keep hating them. And, you know, Mephisto is going to have plenty of power to use to his next evil scheme. So that's, that's good and bad of it. I think that you could definitely have aspects to them that you could use to sell them to, to mortals, to, to get people to think, you know, well, sure. Diablo is going to destroy the world, but you know, he won't destroy the world while I'm in it because I'm, I'm a loyal <laughs> follower. Yeah, no, no. He's going to eat your face. The Diablo eating faces party is absolutely means yours too. Uh, so yeah, that, that's my take on it. We have time for one more. I mean, sure. Uh, okay. We'll go for one more Liz. Uh, there's like two left. So pick whichever one you'd like to do. Um, <laughs> Now you're you're asking me to make choices. Okay. My favorite character in World of Warcraft is the soundtrack. I have purchased each one so far and have no regrets as they work not only in the context of the game, but most tracks are good standalone pieces also. I have always thought Blizzard did a great job with music. It got me wondering, is there any music lore? We play the stories with the tunes. But are there any stories behind the tunes that we may not be aware of? There are some toys in-game that are music-focused. I think there's a music box that plays The Lament of the Highborn. And I recall in Shadowlands, there are singing Jiro and Fey Harp to acquire. Do these items and others have stories to tell beyond the song? This is from Azurlane on Senjen. Um, I, I mean, yeah, this is a hard one. Obviously, you get the big things. Like you have already mentioned, Lament of the Highborn, which had a big story tie-in with Sylvanas. But I don't know. A lot of the other story tie-ins have been, you know, kind of a little lightweight, a little silly. Like we had the jukebox in Warlords of Draenor, which was, you know, kind of neat. Go around collecting your favorite music and play it all the time, but not, not like a story story. Uh, what about you two? You are our lore experts. Do you have any music lore to give us? I'm going to let Matt go before I start going on wild tangents here. Okay. Well, I know that the song from Warlords of Draenor called Time's Up, which is in this, it's one of the musics that plays behind the trailer. It's the dun, 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 dun. You know, it's kind of like the, it's very much the, the, the new horde, the iron horde, uh, anthem for lack of a better word was actually, written by in the game world it's written by and performed by the uh the oh bloody heck i can't remember the name of the, of the tribe uh i want to say it's the uh the tribe that grom was in but i can't remember their name right now which is, I mean, the hell yeah you know that's his, that's his name that's not the tribe name the tribe's not called the hell scream uh bloody heck i can't remember but war song war song thank you yeah that's thank right you. it's right there in the name yeah well it's but yeah, it's it's Grant, it's it's Garage Hellscream, not Garage Warsong. But you're right, Warsong is in the name. But they wrote and they they write and do a lot of the music that you hear orcs do. It's from the Warsong. The Warsong itself is a song sung by them. It's it's their it's one of their roles. They're like the bards of the horde. And 
that's some lore for music in general. If you ever hear a song that you're like, oh, that sounds like orcs, it's probably the War Song Clan. Uh, so that's one that I know of. Another is the song. Actually, we saw it. Uh, it even got its own little movie. The song that Jaina sings in, in Battle for Azeroth. Whatever you think of Battle for Azeroth, the Jaina short, really good. And the song she sings, it's a traditional uh Colteris like sea song, sea shanty, but she changed the lyrics are changed to be more about her. Like originally the song didn't have all that stuff about her and her father and the negative portrayal of her in it wasn't originally part of the song. They put it in there because they thought of her as a traitor. And that's that's some lore behind the song. But that's all I got right now. So <clears throat> oh, right. unfortunately you're gonna have to go into tangent. Wild tangent time. Picture it. Coventry, England, 1986. A band starts producing music under a sort of heavy metal theme, uh, and it's called Bolt Thrower. Matt probably knows this or remembers this. Uh, maybe. It's a really obscure thing. Uh, based off of a Games Workshop license, because that's what Bolt Throwers were. It was the reference to an, of, an, an in-game item. Uh, and in both fantasy and 40k, the reason I bring this up is because it sort of establishes a pattern that we're going to see other bands and game developers start kind of embracing when they're in a certain subgenre. Now let's look at rock and roll racing. When was rock and roll racing released? 1993, I think, something like that. Maybe. Uh, give me a second. I'll know, but you know, I don't have it on top of my head. It very much sort of followed in that same footstep of having sort of like the cyclical nature between games, inspiring music and music, inspiring games. And as you started to get more into the blizzard games, as I started making more games, you started to see a lot of that sort of like cyclical culture of music and games sort of coming up from the very beginning of like Warcraft roots all the way through to where we are now, Matt brought up, uh, you know, war song and, and, and them doing the music for it. But let's not forget like elite Torrin chieftain, right? Like that band existed mm-hmm. for a reason. Right. And that was very much in that same vein. And it very much harkened back to like eighties hair metal and eighties, uh, what I call fantasy operatic metal. So you're talking like your Dio's, your black Sabbath, your, your stories about, you know, fighting, you know, against trolls and ogres and, you know, going up to the mountain and, and talking with a man on the silver mountain and, and a whole bunch of other stuff. And Blizzard sort of like pulled that in. And a lot of the stuff that they chose when they were doing music for their early games really sort of adhered to that in particular. Now there are individual stories like the composition for the original Diablo track where you had a 12 string guitar sitting down in front of a reverb with a, I'm not going to go into the whole rig setup, uh, but you had an amazing musician and I can't remember his name off the top of my head and I really do apologize, uh, but sitting down and laying down that, that iconic track for Diablo two, right? And everybody knows it. You hear the opening chords for it and it is unmistakable. Thank you, Matt Uleman. Thank you. I, I appreciate you, Red. Um, but you're, you're, you're looking at a, a recognizable sound that like carries over but that also then fed into other games. We saw that in world of Warcraft where the tavern music mimicked that. And it sort of became the self-fulfilling thing. The music of, of the blizzard game franchises has always been one of their strongest assets. Um, and I'm not going to go into some of the, the stuff that how like Matt Uleman got screwed because that's a whole other topic, but 
it, it there there's all these little stories or these stories behind like the little men, the highborn there's stories behind uh you know all the dirges and 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 the things that we see uh throughout the years and the stuff that they use during the cinematic trailers but everything harkens back to sort of that root of like the 80s sort of like operatic metal and if it wasn't for that where you had these bands telling weird stories about like fighting space orcs and uh, or, or like the elves reclaiming like their homeland, which was a theme of several uh, songs during that time. You never would have gotten stuff like rock and roll racing that would have then fed into Warcraft that would have then fed into Overwatch and current Diablo generation of games. So like I, we could spend an entire episode, but I would have to do a lot more research of the individual stories. Cause like, I forget a bunch of them. I'm not going to lie, but there are um, iconic songs and music in these games usually do have a story, whether it's a artist that was a friend of a developer uh, or a friend of somebody in the studio or, you know, was brought in to, to do something specific and then wound up noodling around like in between takes or something. And then all of a sudden somebody overhears and goes, Hey, that would be great for this. Like there's tons of those types of stories We'd have to do more research on them. And honestly, if it ever came down to it, I would love to spend some time going through that. So I, I know that's kind of like a weird a way to answer your question, but it's it's a, a really wide, broad topic. So if you ever want to hear us talk more about it, let us know. Like if, if this is something more people are interested in, I will sit there and I will do weeks of research into this. I have zero issue doing that. I love if you haven't told if you haven't seen by any of the intros to our like several podcasts whenever i get to do custom stuff like make music for tavern watch or make custom music for our lore watch intros this is sort of my jam and i'm happy to sit down and pound out like an entire episode of this uh going slightly off the warcraft topic while well, you've already taken us off topic in great ways yes. uh, if you if you haven't noticed that the first town you go into in Diablo 4, Nevesk, has Tristram music. It's the Tristram yes. music in the background. And if you go back to town later, it's still the Tristram music. I believe this is the only place in Diablo 4 where you get Tristram music. And it is in the first town where they promptly try to murder you. There so, is one other place where you get Tristram music. Yeah? Uh, when you go into the vision and, and uh, the thing that we later on find out is Mephisto takes you to Tristram, you hear the Tristram music. Ah, yes, yes, yes. Yeah. But it's it's more demoniacal when you get there. It's more of the... Mm -hmm. the it's, it's more... twisted. Yeah, it is not... It also like actually, everything. It also actually loops in some of the absolutely original Tristram music from the first Diablo. Yes. Mm -hmm. it's, it's So it's both. Which it's is extremely iconic. And it's... also very much, a, you know, you you have to be paying a lot of attention to pick that one up. It took me it's, a long time to, to see it. It is very interesting how much music can say to us and how much those few notes of the Tristram theme in Diablo, those catch you, those catch your attention. I remember being at the uh, the Worldwide Invitational where Blizzard announced Diablo 3 and they didn't come out with some big trailer. They didn't come out with like a big announcement and, you know, they they came out and the stage was dark and they had a guitarist start up those notes. and. Then the lights came up and it's like everyone knew this is Diablo. You just need a few notes of that melody and it's Diablo. That's that takes you there. Wait on Matt. <laughs> yes, it is very distinctive. I'm sorry. I was having problems <laughs> with the stream. 
But no, I mean, Liz is right. Like that. But I, I went to Nevesk. Be quiet for a second, Joe. I'm sorry. But I deliberately moved my character to Nevesk and turned up the sound. So if you are listening to this, you can now hear the, the Tristram guitar music playing in Nevesk. That's it right there. So yeah, I just wanted to make sure you guys get to hear it because it is. To, you, to, I literally was walking by a street busker in Edmonton and he played this. And I was like, oh, <laughs> what? What are you doing? Why are you playing that? Is, am I going to like, is, is Deckard here? So yeah, <laughs> go ahead, Joe. I'm sorry. I didn't want to interrupt you. But I wanted to get that there. <laughs> no, I was just going to say it's, it's one of those wonderful things where um, like that is an iconic thing that I absolutely love. Like I could tell you all the chords that are in it because it is so iconic. Like it's in the key of a major. It's an, a, it's an a major scale between a major uh, or a minor, B minor, a minor, uh, a diminished C diminished a D and then it repeats itself till it ends on a, a G minor. Like it, in it uses such layered, like I'm going to geek out here for a second. I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> but like the discordant tones of it are actually using that minor key and that minor modal music to give you sort of the feeling of dread. And it doesn't end on a complete note so that you have sort of this unresolved tension that carries through like the music that was written for that, for just that little, that Tristram music is so iconic because of that, because it sets the tone, it sets the mood for the entire game. And so like when you hear it, like, and I want you to go back and like, if you play Diablo, go back and listen to it, listen to the original or play it on YouTube or whatever. And like, just close your eyes and just like, what does it make you feel? Does it make you feel uneasy? Does it make you feel like there's something watching you? Does it make you feel like tension is rising? And if the answer is yes to that, that's because they were deliberate choices to do this in a, a minor mode. It's a minor scale, by the way. Sorry, I said a major earlier. Um, but do in that minor scale. And then you look at Overwatch, right? And look at that. And all that's done in like bright, like very major scales and, and done in keys that are uh, I, I'm sorry I'll, I'll stop in a second here but it makes you feel <laughs> heroic and bright and, and it does that sort of thing so like sorry I'm going to stop now yeah okay <laughs> I feel bad that I had to interrupt Joe there um, that's why he stopped suddenly everybody but it is getting pretty late and the podcast does need to end so yeah I'm no nothing to be sorry about Joe. I just didn't, I didn't want to let it go any longer because if I did, you know, you'd never stop. And he'd no, I wouldn't. Hear another hour. I was about 10 yeah. seconds. I was yeah. literally about 10 seconds away from reaching over my wall and grabbing a guitar. Like, yeah, we're fine. Yeah. We're good. We're good. <laughs> but again, guys, uh, this has been the Blizzard Watch podcast. We're going to have Joe do the outro. Hopefully he can, get that done relatively quickly yeah blizzard watch is made possible due to their generous contributions to patreon.com slash blizzard watch your continued support means this podcast any community is able to thrive and grow blizzard watch supporters enjoy exclusive benefits like early access to the podcast a better chance at having your question answered on a podcast or the queue and an ads free site experience thank you joe uh thank you to liz as well um and thank you to all of you for being here with us on the blizzard watch podcast um hopefully we're gonna be back next week and you'll be here with us and that'll be great Uh, Take it easy, everybody. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. 
Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.